2: Hello everybody and welcome to episode 34 of the Box Hard Podcast. I'm your host Joey Coastman. I'm joined as always by Ayaz Sumra. Ayaz, how are you doing?
1: I'm good Joey, how are you?
2: Very good, very good. As always, we're going to roll straight into part one. We're going to start over in Colombia. Daliz Perez, he got out again, of course, trying to bounce back from that KO loss to Anthony Crawler. He got a KO for himself in the second round. This was up at 140, super lightweight, of course. Daliz Perez now moves to 33 wins. He's obviously got the two losses and the one draw, so he'll be looking to bounce back and get back in that picture. We're now going to go straight over to New Zealand. Top of the bill. a Big heavyweight clash. We had him on our show last week. Joseph Parker. He was in a final eliminator to become mandatory for Anthony Joshua's IBF title. So Joseph Parker top the bill he faced Carlos Takam now Joseph Parker 18 and 0 going into this fight Carlos Takam 33 and 2 with a one draw it ended up being a tough tough fight this actually it was shown on Sky Sports at it was on Saturday it was about 11 o'clock in the morning I think it was 11:30 a.m possibly they had Dillian White in the studio and Joseph Parker, you know, this really showed everybody that he can tough it out, and no one looks amazing against Carlos Takam. Carlos Takam, very experienced, tough guy, and he he didn't stop coming forward the whole time, so um, admittedly, Joseph Parker didn't put in a punch-perfect performance, but he showed he can tough it out and get past big tests in the heavyweight division so i think his stocks have gone up after that fight so he extends his win streak to 19 and oh he's got the 16 knockout so unanimous decision win after 12 rounds there um also on that bill i'm not sure if you saw it as if you haven't then you need to go and check it on youtube i can't remember the guy's name this guy got a knockdown on that card and um I don't know what his name was, but he knocked the guy down and he jumped on the top rope and he fell straight over it and climbed under the bottom one again. Have you seen it at all? He's running around Twitter. No, I haven't seen it yet, Joey. I'm going to tag you in it, mate, after this, because i tell you what, it was absolutely hilarious. Anyway, back to the show. Um, We're now going to leave New Zealand. We're going to go straight over to Russia. Um, Top of the bill over there, Denis Lebedev. I knew he was going to win this pretty comfortably. He fought Victor Emilio Ramirez. Now, this was a unification fight up at Cruiserweight. Ramirez put his IBF title on the line, and Lebedev put his WBA super title on the line. Ramirez was down in the second round he got back up and took a little bit more punishment to be honest from Lebedev and the referee waved off the bout so Lebedev a big win for him getting the TKO so early so Lebedev extends his record to 29 wins now and the two losses so Ramirez dethroned of his title I didn't think he was going to reign for too long after that fight what was very controversial with Oval McKenzie also on that bill, Umar Salomov. He had a nice record of 15 and 0 going into this fight with our very own Bob Adjisaf. He extended it to 16 and 0. I believe it was a quite a close fight closer than the judges had it it was a unanimous decision win for umar salamov it was for the vacant ibo world title not really a belt that's recognized as one of the top belts but apparently it was quite a close fight so all the best to bob agis there. you know it's good for him to get that opportunity it was obviously over in russia but i'm sure he put in a good performance there and um you know put put in a good account of himself so so hopefully we see Bob Adjusev bounce back from that with a couple of wins back in UK, of course. But no, nonetheless, you know, you can't take nothing but um, but good things from a close fight over in Russia against an undefeated fighter. So good stuff there from Bob Adjusev. Um, moving down that card Dmitry Bivol he moved to 7 and 0. He picked up a unanimous decision win after 12 rounds and he defended successfully his interim WBA World Light Heavyweight title against Felix Valera who had a record of 13 and 0 going into this fight. So his O has been taken. He's now got a record of 13 and 1. That's it for Russia. We're now going to go over to the 0-2 arena. Of course, top of the bill. David Hay against Arnold the Cobra Gagaj, I believe his name is. Now, Gagaj was down once in the first round. Personally, I think that David Hay could have stopped it there and then. And he went down twice in the second round. One of those knockdowns coming from a jab. He was very, very, very poor from the Cobra. He 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 was dreadful, to be totally honest. David Hay looked himself. He did what... What we all thought he was going to do, I believe. O2 Sports on Twitter were actually doing a um, a little competition. What what do you think the fight outcome is going to be? is David Hay gonna win? If so, what round? Is it going to go to points? Is it going to be a knockout? I actually said the second round. Um, I think there was three of us who said the second round, and I actually won a David Hay signed glove, so that'll be on its way to me shortly. But like I say, I didn't see it going past the second round. Highest. did you manage to catch that David Hay fight? I watched it on TV. Um, what did you think of the fight at all?
1: Yeah, I watched the fight. I reckon it's it was, to be honest, it was like the same, like a Mark DeMory.
2: Yeah, to be honest, I don't even think this guy had as big of a name as Mark Domori. I think he didn't bring anything to the table. I know he got past the first round at least, but he was dreadful as. And um, we, we, we're still not really seeing anything from David Hay to suggest how good he is yet. We've still just seen three rounds from him in about four years. So, um it's, it's impressive to to get an, another knockout and another early knockout and another devastating knockout from David Hay. We're still not really seeing anything from him my eyes. What do you think? Where, who do you want to see him? I know that he's now going to be fighting Shannon Briggs because Shannon Briggs was also on the bill. We'll mention his result in a minute. That's supposed to be happening in September, Shannon Briggs said last week on our show. So. Is that a fight where you think we're going to see what David Hay has left, or do you think even Shannon Briggs won't be able to pose enough threat to David Hay?
1: I don't think Shannon Briggs is going to pose enough threat to David Hay. I reckon a fight that mate Dave will see what's the best of David Hay, yeah, what's he got left in the tank? Is someone like a Eric Molina or a Dillian White?
2: Um, yeah. You know, there's a lot of guys, not even just domestically um, in Dillian White, but there's there's a lot of guys. Eric Molina is a good shout. There's a lot of opponents, to be honest. European, someone like Pulev, someone like that. I'd like to see him in a lot of these fights, but I don't think they're going to happen. Um, we'll have to wait and see what happens with that. So I'm going to mention, of course, Shannon Briggs. He picked up a KO in the first round, so he picked up his 60th career win, and I believe his 37th first-round knockout, he hit the guy... With with some serious punches i know the guy only had about three weeks uh, sorry not three weeks three days notice um i think i think the same guy got stopped by huey fury in a round so he comes straight over from argentina with a three days notice i don't even think he was adjusted to the time zone so you know we we couldn't really expect much from zarate emilio ezekiel zarate but um Shannon Briggs done the business and, you know, you can only beat who's in front of you. So he got the win there. Also on the bill, Nick Webb, the undefeated heavyweight prospect. He was 5-0 going into his fight on the weekend. 5-0 with five first round knockouts. He moved to 6-0. This time he went to points. It was only a four rounder, but he won on points after four rounds. So Nick Webb now 6-0. Also on that bill for the vacant English middleweight title, Joe Mullander. He was fighting for it, of course, going into this fight with a record of nine and one. He fought tough man, Lee Markham. Lee Markham picked up the win unanimously after 10 rounds. So Lee Markham, the new English middleweight champion, congrats to him. And also on that bill, a fight I should mention. We're going to be speaking to him very, very shortly. Joe Fournier, he went into his fight 3-0 with three knockouts and he moved to 4-0 with four knockouts, so he picked up his TKO in the second round against a guy who had 14 wins and 8 losses, Bella Juhas. I don't know much about him obviously, but Joe Fournier, first fight on British soil, again another knockout, his opponent was down twice in the second round, good shots from Joe Fournier, he looked quite impressive out there and of course, yeah, He picks up his fourth KO in four fights, all four knockouts within two rounds. So another little stat there for Joe Fournier. So good stuff from him. That's it for the UK. We're now going to fly over to the USA. There's one fight I want to mention on one card. The lightweight prospect, Devin Haney, he moved to 6-0 with a TKO in the fourth round over 4-0 undefeated fighter, Gyro Vargas Fernandez. So, Devin Haney, really, really good prospect. We need to keep our eyes peeled on him as That'll be a household name coming up soon, believe me. That's it for that one in Las Vegas. We're now going to go over to another part of Las Vegas where there was a triple world title card that was picked up at the last minute by Box Nation, Erislandi Lara, top the bill against Vanez Martiroz and Erislandy Lara of course defending his WBA world super welterweight title the 154 title this was a good fight I stayed up to watch this one it started about 4.30 I believe five o'clock in the morning something like that Erislandy Lara you know he took one of those big sort of I've forgotten the name while we're on air to be totally honest but one of those big lumps you know like where the bump comes out of your forehead he had one of those I completely forgot what it's called it looked pretty ugly come the end of the fight but he managed to pick up a unanimous decision win after 12 rounds Marta erosion put in a good performance everybody thought he was going to do so as well Marta erosion a real elite fighter in that 154 category and a tough fight for anyone you know Marta erosion's a real good fighter but that was it for that fight moving down that bill Jamal Charlo of course the IBF world super welterweight champion 23 and 0 his record going into this fight it was always going to be a tricky one he fought austin trout austin trout 30 wins two losses austin trout again put in a good performance but jamal charlo really really impressed me um he was able to to sort of get past the slickness of austin trout austin trout didn't have a fantastic start to the fight i think as it was going on a bit You know, during some of the late rounds, Austin Trout did find some good punches. He put some good punches together, but he didn't trouble Charlo. And Charlo, he just done the business. Really, he done the business, and uh, this is a fantastic defense of him. I myself have not. I've been reluctant to. To, to jump the gun too much with Jamal Charler. I didn't think he'd fought some fantastic opposition, but this really is a truly elite fighter, I believe, in the Austin Trout. I think Austin Trout is a great fighter, and this is a fantastic win and this is you know the biggest win of his career this is a real marking name to add to his record so Jamal Charlo he defends successfully his IBF world super world title and moves to 24 and 0 so he's a good fighter for anyone in the 154 division now his brother was also on the bill Jamel Charlo his twin brother so Jamel Charlo was fighting for the vacant WBC World Super Welterweight title. Of course, he was fighting against John Jackson. John Jackson, the son of Julian the Hawk jackson so john jackson had a record of 20 and 2 jamel charlo had a record of 27 and oh this was a really 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 good fight actually john jackson was winning this fight he was doing really really well john jackson landing some good punches on jamel charlo jamel charlo didn't mug himself off at all he was fighting well you know like he wasn't losing rounds easily the rounds were all tightish rounds but you'd have to edge him to jackson definitely John Jackson landing the more meaningful punches. He was switching it up a little bit as well. He was, he was going from head to body really well. And, um, he landed some great punches, John Jackson, but Charlo, Is class. is class. There's no two ways about it. Now, in the eighth round, Jamal Charlo threw a punch at John Jackson. It seemed to hit him straight on the left eye. And he seemed to put his glove up and kind of rub his eye sort of thing. I, I don't know what it was about. When... After the fight, he tried to say that he was it had took his mouthpiece out of place and he was trying to put his mouthpiece back in, but I didn't see that on the replay at all. It seemed to it seemed to hit his eye and he's with his glove he's kind of rubbed his eye as if to see if it was bleeding or something. And when he's rubbed his eye, he turned away. And then that's when Jamal Charles landed a big hook and um and one more punch just basically he wasn't protecting himself. He turned away and the referee had to stop it. So i'm not quite sure what happened to be honest from john jackson's point of view the doctor jumped in straight away he asked him what day of the week it was where they were and john jackson knew what was going on so he didn't actually lose consciousness or, or anything despite it looking really um really horrible to be honest really horrible scenes the two big punches from charlo but like i say john jackson he was winning the fight and he got knocked out in the eighth round so very, very unlucky John Jackson. I believe he was beating Andy Lee until Andy Lee knocked him out with with that phantom, well, not a phantom punch, but the punch from the gods. It was an incredible punch. So Jamal Charlo picks up the WBC title, so two brothers now, two twin brothers, both world champions in the same weight division I'm not sure how many times that's been done in the past, I think that's some sort of record somewhere, I don't believe that had happened for absolutely years so fantastic for Jamel Charlo there, so I'm pleased for him and John Jackson was really, really, really gracious in defeat in the interview after the fight, you know, you couldn't, he's a proper gent, John Jackson, he really is, so all the best to him, very, very unlucky once again from him And Jamal Charlo... Of course, picks up that belt and extends his winning record to 28-0. and 0. Also on that bill, former world champ Bebut Shumanov, he actually managed to get a fight at Cruiserweight for the vacant WBA World Cruiserweight title. So four world titles on this card were at stake here. So Bebut Shumanov managed to pick up the TKO in round 10. He fought junior Anthony Wright, who had a record of 15-1 and one with the one draw. And Bebut Shumanov picked up his 17th career win and this is the second title he's held now so he's got the belt in the cruiserweight division I'm not sure who we should see him in there with Bebut Shumanov actually a good fighter um, on his day definitely but it'll be interesting to see who they match him with Lanel Bellows was supposed to be on this bill but his fight got postponed BJ Flores moved to 32 and 2 of course he's got the one draw this fight believe it or not this fight actually took place at heavyweight so I'm not sure if BJ Flores is going to be campaigning at heavyweight you <laughs> pretty strange there but yeah this fight was a heavyweight so BJ Flores picked up the unanimous decision after 6 rounds it was only a 6 rounder. his opponent had a record of 12 and 3 so it was just one of those fights moving over now from Las Vegas to Texas just one fight I want to mention before we end the review part of the show Raimundo Beltran he picked up his 30th career win with a KO in the second round so a good win for Beltran one of the most unluckiest guys in boxing to be honest he's been on the wrong end of I think two decisions for world titles so it'd be nice to see him get another shot but that's it for the review part of the show we're now going to welcome our first guest ladies and gentlemen please welcome our next guest on this week's show if you were watching Dave on Saturday night you'd have seen him open the show it's none other than Joe Fournier Joe welcome to the show
3: thanks for having me buddy
2: no worries, no worries. Now, the thing I wanted to ask you first, I already know the rundown of your life before boxing. So for those that may be listening that may not know, tell us how you made your living and still make a living doing outside of the ring.
3: So, uh, yes, I started initially as a basketball player, professionally uh, played for England, Captain England. And then I opened up a uh, few personal training studios. Um, and then, um, yeah, got into nightclubs. So I had a bunch of different nightclubs. My current major club is Bon Bonier, Uh, that's, uh, just opposite Selfridges. And, um, and I box as well.
2: Now, the first question after that has to be, Joe, you make exceptional money outside of the ring. Why do you want to get in there with people who want to punch you in the face? It's certainly not about the money for you.
3: To be honest with you, um, I always had a very big sporting background. As a schoolboy level, you know, I played cricket, rugby and basketball uh, for England, so I've always been a competitor. And as you get older, you lose your weight a lot of ways, you know, from a fitness standpoint, from a drinking too much standpoint. So boxing initially was just a way to get fit again. Um, My first ever bar, I worked, uh, Barry Jones was my boss. Uh, He's a WBO and IBF world champion. And, um, you know, he got me into it, and uh, he used to take me, you know, to the gym with him and train a little bit. So I've been around boxing a long time. And uh, I always remember thinking, you know what? What people don't realize is I've done all the sports at the highest level. And boxing is definitely the hardest sport to train for, you know, because you have to make so many sacrifices and commitments. So as you get older... You know, going for a jog or going to the gym doesn't really shed those pounds. So that's how it started. It was I wanted something extreme that I could get my head around. But after doing, you know, a bunch of unlicensed fights and white collar and whatnot and and, and being undefeated for so long, um, my coach, you know, Spencer from the Fifth Street Gym in Miami said, look, your last five camps have all been done with professionals, aspiring professionals. He goes, you're a professional. He's just, you know, not wearing, you know, 10-ounce gloves. So um, you should should just, you know, take that step. So I did. And here we are.
2: What has the transition been like um, for you? Because obviously you've got this reputation as a little bit of a party boy, and now we see you—you've got in tremendous shape, um, and obviously you're under the guidance of David Hay. How does that work for you, Joe?
3: Well, I mean, so f- to be honest, with you, I'm not a party boy. Um, I am someone that has built a business around you know nightlife and hospitality. Uh, I actually don't really drink a great deal, you know. Like yeah, like, I'm not like everyone else. Um, you know, I've had my my, my months and weeks where I've had a bit of a bender, but generally, you know, I've never done drugs. I've never smoked. So I've been generally quite a healthy lifestyle person. With regards to boxing, why I get in such good shape is I don't, I can't recreate an amateur career, right? So I, I can't let fitness or or or, or power be something where I, that I can can control. I can't have that not be a hundred percent. So if all the attributes that I can control, I can make 100%, and the ones that I can't control are what they are. But at least I'm giving myself the best opportunity to to, to, to do the best I can, whatever that is, you know. Uh, with, re- with regards to David Hay, you know, yeah, he's, he's my manager, he's my mentor. He's someone that is, uh, you know, that saw my talent and, and really wanted to, to help me go to the next level. And to be honest with you, he has such a brilliant, smart way of looking at boxing in the sense of strategic, like how to fight and... um You know, I throw a lot less punches. I don't know if you saw on the fight uh, on Dave how patient I was. Um, you know, whereas my other professional fighters probably a bit more aggressive, a bit more gung-ho. And he, you know, he explained to me, he goes, he goes, make your punches count, if it's a jab, make sure it hurts, if it's a right hand, make sure it's, you know, there's power in it. And if you look at the way he fights, I took a lot of that. Also just changing my stance a little, moving back to my back leg, where you get that more explosive power. So, um, so he's been great and a lot of the head movement, you know, I picked up from just watching him train and his work ethic. And um, it's been brilliant, actually, because being in the ring, you know, in and around the world champion, ex-world champion, is, is are things that you, you can't pay for. You know, you can't buy that. And I think it's my last cab I probably improved, you know, tenfold uh, between the, the time I did with um, the Gale and the Fifth Street Gym in Miami doing some sparring down there with him uh, before his fight. And then the time I did in London um, with Shane McGuigan and David Hay and Steve uh, Broughton, his, his coach there. So it's been it, I can't, I can't thank all of them enough that have brought me along so much in the last three months.
2: Now, of course, your first three fights took place in the Dominican Republic. How did that come about? Because that's, that's, a bit crazy looking at it like that.
3: Well, my, I live in Miami half the year, so my home gym is the Fifth Street Gym, uh, the famous Fifth Street Gym uh, where Muhammad Ali used to train um, down in South Beach. And um, obviously, I'm a nobody, right? Like, I'm, I'm, I'm still relatively a nobody in the world of boxing. You know, there's way better, bigger you know, more famous fighters than me. So for me to get on a uh, on an undercard is difficult. Um, you know, I don't really bring a lot to the table because I don't have an Olympic, you know, amateur pedigree. And I'm very heavy-handed, so I'm unlicensed, you know, records, you know, lots of knockouts, so people don't really fancy it either, if you know what I mean. So it's sort of like, well, there's no upside fighting a guy like me, you know, especially at the very beginning. So uh, Dino has five or six fighters that go down to the D- Dominican Republic uh, and fight, you know, every other month on their shows down there. So because he was taking already a few fighters, he said, look, just put this guy on the, on the card. You know, he'll, he'll fight for $200, you know, a tiny little purse, just get him a fight. And that's how it started. So that's why I had to do a few there just to get my record up, just fighting. And, you know, I, I didn't even know my fighter until I got to the arena. Um a bit like, you know, the movie Creed where he just fighting those pubs in Tijuana and Mexico. It was a bit like that. I literally got there, like, you're fighting this guy. And uh, and I fought and you know, it was it was a sanctioned uh, professional fight and uh, that's how I sort of um got got my stripes, so to say.
2: Um now of course you've had you've had four fights, now you've stopped all four opponents within two rounds, you've done a job on that guy the other night on live T V in the second round. How did it feel in there and also to be how did it feel to be fighting on home turf for the first time as well?
3: you know what, I can't thank everyone in there, the support. Like, I'm telling you, like, it was electric. The atmosphere was unbelievable. I can't thank Haymaker Promotions and David Hayes enough because, you know, I was throwing jabs, and, and, and you know, I hit with a few, but there's a couple I missed, but they looked like I hit. And just the crowd roaring mm-hmm. behind you, even when you missed, you felt like you hit, you know, it gave you that energy. Like, at no point there was, I thinking, ah. I'm tired or I, I'm, not, I'm not being, you know, it just, it, the support I had going from having no support in Dominican Republic on fighting home fights was like night and day. If I could if I could choose, I'd fight home every single fight for the rest of my career. It was so unbelievable. And having all my schoolmates from Hounslow there, you know, that came in 150 deep, you know, my whole section, all my a few posh mates of all ringside, my buddy Jose Mourinho that came and, um, and you know sat ringside uh, with his family and and came back in the change room. You know you know gave me a good pep talk. You know all those people made such a difference and made it such a special night for me. And obviously you know being a real sort of patriot, Brit. You know hence I had to have Winston Churchill uh, as in my walkout uh, song. You know I felt like a real sense of pride walking in. You know I felt like I was representing my country against a foreign fighter. You know, who's no joke. Like, the guy's, you know, you know, 14 wins out of 21 fights, uh, 22 fights. He's no, like, you know, journeyman with a winning record. He's not, like, some mug, you know. So, for me, as a 3-0, it was a big step up. We didn't actually really want to take the fight, but uh, we had the last-minute replacement, and that's all that was available. So, we were a bit like, oh, Jesus, this guy's pretty heavy-handed. He wins a lot. He's he had a two-win-winning streak. It's not really ideal for a 3-0 novice like me, you know. But uh, thankfully, um, you know, we've done the hard work in the gym and, uh, and just the crowd supported me to make it, a, 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 which looked like at the end, a relatively easy night.
2: It's been well documented that you have a number of friendships with, you know, some of these big, big celebrities. You just mentioned there, Mourinho, a lot of people were in the house for you. Were there any were, were there any other people in the house that night? And if not, who is likely to be to be to be ringside next time you fight in the UK, Joe?
3: Well, you know, like, um, for me, like, you know, like I said, they're my friends. I know my buddy, Lucas Podolski. I uh, was out in Turkey. actually had a day off, but yeah, training on 9am Sunday. So the flights didn't work. Um, you know, as you know, known that Adriana Lima came to my, uh, my debut in Dominican Republic, which was very nice. Um, obviously she's a part of the fifth street, June family. Um, so yeah, hopefully they'll all be able to come to the, to the next time, uh, the next one. And, um, and, you know, like, I know 50 Cent loves boxing. He wish me luck. And, uh, you know, so you know, some good good, good guys that have been made to mine have come to my club and, and supported me. And they love, you know, a lot of people love boxing. It's, it's a very it's a very trendy sport right now. And it's something, Or you know, the way David Hay does it on the shows where it's a bit of a night out. You know, you've got the concert in the middle of the fight. You've got a great, you know, undercard. You've got some great characters like Shannon Briggs. Uh, you know, uh, you had a British title fight, so the real integrity of boxing. You know, where you had those um, those boys going out of there, which was which was huge. And then we did the after party, you know, in the arena at the Brooklyn Bowl with Bonbonier. So it's kind of like a night out. So my mates, even from Hounslow, that paid you know 100 quid a ticket, were like, to be fair, it was a full one. You went to a boxing fight, a concert, and a party all at once, and you got to support your mates. So doing it once every three months is worth it, you know. So hopefully, I'll be invited back and and get to fight again.
2: Absolutely. Yeah, definitely. Sounds, sounds good for your money, to be totally honest there. Yeah, yeah,
3: yeah. <laughs> now, yeah, your, next
2: fight, your next fight has been lined up already, I believe. I believe you'll be fighting in Belgium on the 25th of June. You pretty much are fighting anywhere there's a fight op- offered to you. How many times do you look to fight this year, Joe?
3: To be honest with you, um, one of the perks of not having an amateur career is, is you don't... I haven't taken a lot of, a lot of shots, big shots, you know. And, and, you know, when you've done 100, 200 amateur fights, you do, you know, it does affect you a little bit. So I feel fresh. Like, my body feels fresh. And um, and I'd actually signed the Belgian fight before David's fight uh, originally. It was, it was someone I'd agreed to beforehand. And, um, you know, as I only really did, uh, you know, two rounds in this one, I thought, you know what, they gave me the option, you know, so I could pull out. And I said, no, let's keep the fight. My dream is to win a regional belt, right? Because I'm not, I'm not delusional. I wouldn't disrespect the sport of boxing and the elite athletes from Britain and all over the world that have been boxing since they were three or four years old to think that I'd ever, I'm not delusional to think I'd ever win a world title or compete, you know, with the likes of, you know, Callum Smith, you know, guys that are going to you know, change the game, uh, in my opinion. That being said, I'd love to win, you know, you do fight to win and you fight to win belts. And so I'd love to win a regional belt of some sort one day. But really, you can only get into the contention for those things and and build that respect through fighting more, you know? I'm sure there's a lot of people doubting and critics, which I'd understand totally if I was reading it on the outside too. So I want to fight anywhere I can as often as possible because, A, I want to keep learning. And every camp, you know, I did a 12-week camp. No one does that for a four-rounder, you know? But I did it because it's 12 weeks of learning and and education because I still increase my skill set, you know? And so... I want to fight again, to you know, find another foreign country to, to experience that. And I want to basically build my knowledge base as fast as possible to get into the 8, 9, 10 and 0, hopefully if I keep winning, to then be in, in the mix for a regional, you know, maybe see a WBC Mediterranean belt, you know, or uh, or a regional UK title. Who knows, you know, that's the plan. So that's why I'm pretty much taking what, what I'm offered.
2: I take it that you watch boxing quite often when it's on or whatever. What type of fighters yeah.
3: at the moment do you
2: enjoy watching most? Who would you say do you enjoy watching most in world boxing right now?
3: I have to say, you know, I did, um, I, I did some sparring, uh, helping out uh, James the girl, before he fought against Medina. And after being in the ring, you know, with a world champ, a current Olympic and world champion, I got to tell you, I learned more in the few rounds we did together than I'd done sparring everyone else I've ever sparred, and the way he goes from you know orthodox to southpaw, the way he moves his feet, the way he can take a shot, you know, like you get the guy clean, he smiles at you, and I learned so much, and I really, really impressed me, and i am actually, not that I will ever be able to replicate his talent, but I love his style, and I really, you know, I don't know if you saw in my fight, I went southpaw for for a little bit, I caught him a nice left hook over the top. And I'm really that that really tricks is very tricky, and to be able to defend an attack and both um, Southport and Orthodox, a bit like Tyson Fury does, does does put the other fighter off, and also um and also the hand speed. You know, I was very I've been heavy-handed for a very long time, but on this camp we worked from speed as opposed to power uh, because I have that naturally. So uh, so just I learned a lot from De So I said Degal is someone I really really love watching. Uh, obviously uh, Canelo, you know, he's he, he's a star right now, and he's and he's um. He's a big puncher, and I like the way he was very patient against Amir Khan. So I'd say I've been really learning a lot from the patience of Canelo. You know, in the later rounds, his head movement, you know, is really what got him close enough to, to to hurt Amir Khan. Because I thought Amir Khan's tactics were spot on. Unfortunately, you know, in boxing, you get in the bath, you get wet. It happens. But um, but yeah, I'd say Canelo and, and Miguel right now are two people I'm really looking at. And then being so close to. um so Frampton and David uh, David Hay uh, obviously we train in the same gym and, and the same coaching. Um, it's been nice to, to see the way Frampton just generates so much power in short distances, um, you know, on the pads, which has been brilliant. And then the way David really explodes and keeps the velocity through his punches, punches right through things. So I'd say that, they're the four people I've been really sort of picking up tips from and and being being around. Um, so, um, yeah, they're, they're the styles that I'm kind of like liking and learning from. And, and it's great because, you know, like I said, with regards to being a world champion, I'm a novice. And so it's brilliant learning a new skill. And, and, and le- every time I go to the gym, I pick something else up and I go home and I practice it on my own, you know. So um, it, it's it's been a very enjoyable ride so far. Yeah, you can't argue with those styles. There, all four good fighters you mentioned.
2: Um, now, Joe, just before I let you go, I want to give you the opportunity to give any of our listeners your your Twitter handle, your your Instagram account, so they can follow your journey.
3: So my um, my Instagram, Snapchat, and uh, Twitter are all the same. Uh, it's Joe Fournier Club. J O E F O U R N I E R Club. C L U B. I run them all myself. Um, I'm mainly more on Instagram. And, and snapchat but uh yeah i try and post as much as i can and if anyone has any questions or uh you know feel free to to, to you know drop me a message and, and then uh, if you have any inquiries for anything else my my management is on there too and uh, i really uh, it's a real privilege for you guys to have me on the show you know uh for someone that's starting out it's, it's really kind of you and, and i really respect you guys for doing that
2: thank you very much joe it's been my pleasure um listen i wish you the best of luck going ahead with the future and i'm sure that we'll speak again soon.
3: Thank you, buddy. Appreciate it.
2: Okay, now just before part one ends, we've of course brought you in this part of the show. We've brought you the review part. Then we spoke to Joe Fournier. We're now going to welcome our second guest that was also on the David Hay undercard. It's the undefeated heavyweight prospect, the first round knockout king, I think they're calling him at the moment. It's a very, very, very chilled out and relaxed Nick Webb. Nick, welcome to the show.
4: Hello, man. You good?
2: Very good, my friend. You? It's good, yeah. I'm very good, man.
4: I'm just chilling in the weather. Nice sun outside at the minute. So, <laughs> lovely.
2: Sounds good. Sounds good. So, um, of course, you fought on the on the hay undercard. How did it feel in there on Saturday night for you, Nick? Of course, you've got you oh, had mate. your five, you had your five um, first round knockouts prior to this. It's the first time you've gone the distance. How did it feel? Oh, mate. So that was my first time on the hay undercard and first time
4: fighting at the O2. So the arena for me, damn, was amazing experience. To so walk, I got there first before everyone was there, and uh, looked in the, looked at the ring, and had a little walk around, and took it all in, and thought, Phew, this is big, this is big. So from then, yeah, I went and got, went in a change of rooms and chilled out until it was fight time. Had Jose Romino come in and uh, wish me good luck. That was fucking, that was that was crazy. And then we walked out for the fight, um, and as you said, yeah, it was my first time going the distance. But um, it was great to go the distance because it was uh, to get the experience. You know, I needed that experience, and to have that on my sixth fight was awesome.
2: Now, to have um, you know an experienced man in your corner in Scott Welch, how is that? Because of course, you got a lot of these. There's a lot of trainers these days who 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 have fought. They've been pro fighters. Some of them have, some of them hasn't. Some of them haven't been very good. Scott Welch was a good heavyweight in his day. How how key is it to have that experience in your corner, Nick?
4: I had a few offers of turn pro at the beginning. And, um, yeah, Scott was one of them, and that was a no-brainer, like, to come with Scott Welch. As you said, he was a good heavyweight. And, uh, you know, he's British champion, Commonwealth champion, and he, uh, I knew I could learn so much from him. So having him in my corner is, yeah, it puts me up there even more. Got that experience. He's been there. He's done it himself. So he knows oh. what he's talking about. He know he knows when we're training
2: what we're training for. Now, Nick, what what sort so what sort of heavyweights have you sparred? Like names that we may know. Is there anyone you sparred that we may know? Uh, I
4: sparred Shazora. Few times I sparred uh, Richard Towers, an Italian heavyweight, under fi- 18 and no heavyweight. Yes, yeah, quite a few amateurs. Uh, as an amateur, I sparred with uh, Michael Scott and some of the old school
2: guys. Um, But still, good competition. So, have you got any idea when you're out next, Nick? Uh, I'm trying to get out in June, so I want to be straight back out.
4: Straight out. Uh, we're trying to get some dates and venues, so. That we're working towards com- coming out again in June.
2: So ideally how many times would you like to fight this year?
4: I want to at least get to 10 and 0 by the end of the year. So I've had am uh, 6 and 0 now. So I've four
2: more at least by by the, by the new year. Now in your division it's, it's it's a brilliant division to be in right now especially in Britain. Um of course you got the likes of Joshua uh, Fury um, of course, we're we're close to the Fury Klitschko rematch. Nick, how did you see that fight going the, the, the second time around?
4: Fury's in Klitschko's head, definitely. He uh, he's great and his mind games. He's He's trying to tell you he's not fit he's not bothered by this fight, but he is. He's bothered by it and he and he's training hard. But he's dropping weight quick. Um, I see the fight going exactly the same.
2: To be honest maybe even a, a stoppage from Fury. And I just want to ask you, of course, you say you want to move to 10-0 and this year. You're very much still on that learning curve. You haven't been a pro for too long. In your second year, ideally, so 2017, what would you like to accomplish in that year in a realistic world as well? Uh, in a realistic world, you know, this time next year, I want
4: to be looking for the British title. Definitely the... It's realistic and I can definitely see myself winning that. Um, but that's
2: my goal, my goal. Do you want me to tell you who I'd like to see you fight right now? I'm not saying that either of you are at this level. You're, I'm sure you're both surpassed this level. But um, a fight I'd like to see you in with, Dave Allen. I think that's a good fight for you too. I know I know that he's, of course, a little more experienced at the moment. But down the line, that would be a good fight. Of course, he's undefeated as well. Yeah, man, definitely. Um, you know I mean? I'm...
4: I'll fight anyone but, and anyone who knows me would knows that. And, uh, yeah, Dave Allen, he's, he's, a, he's another good prospect. So that's how it goes, isn't it? Good prospects.
2: Got to face each other down the line sometime. Now, um, Nick, just before I let you go, I wanted to give you a chance. If there's anyone to thank at all and, 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 of course, any message for any of your fans that may be listening to this interview.
4: Yeah, man, I definitely have a lot of thank yous to go around. I'd like to thank, first of all, uh, Scott Welch. For um, yeah, for taking me on, giving me this great opportunity, he's given me, and all the work and hours he puts into me. My personal trainer Matthew Effington, he uh, runs me into the ground every day and trains me hard through strength conditioning. I'd like to thank my sponsors, Steve Dudman and Prime PTs. Yeah, the Shaw Group, the strong ladies supporting me. So yeah, thank you.
2: Excellent stuff. Now, if anybody wants to follow your journey on Twitter or Instagram, are you on any of them? If so, what's your username so people can follow your journey?
4: Yeah, I'm on, I'm on Instagram and
2: Twitter. Both, uh, it's a ting, all one word. All right, Nick. Listen, thank you very much for <laughs> cool, giving us man. a bit of time this close after your fight. I hope you do get My out problem. and get as regular as you want to be this year. And We wish you all the best. So I'll speak to you again soon. Thank you, man. Appreciate it. Okay, now it's time for part two on this week's show, of course, the preview part of the show. We're going to start over in France. This is happening on Friday. Hassan and Dam, he's going to be joining us very, very shortly he is fighting Robert Schwibinski, now Robert Schwibinski has a record of 16 wins 5 losses and 1 draw this is no sort of great or big fight for Hassan and Dan it's purely one to keep himself busy Hassan and Dan with a record of 32 and 2, like I say it's only an 8 rounder and we'll be speaking to him very very soon but I'm sure he'll pick up an easy win here this is taking place in Paris of course that's it for France, we're now going to go over to Scotland, this is on the Saturday top of the bill Ricky Burns he's facing Michele DiRocco. now of course DiRocco with a record of 40 wins one loss and one draw Ricky Burns 39 wins five losses and one draw this is for the vacant WBA world super lightweight title if Ricky Burns wins this he picks up his third world title in three weight divisions. So Ayaz, what do you think about this fight? Because, of course, Ricky Burns, he's been in a lot of fights now. This will be his 46th professional fight. Again, Michele DeRocco, this will be his 43rd professional fight. Uh, Ricky Burns, of course, I'd say, is mixed at a higher level than Di But, do you reckon Ricky Burns can go out and do this? I know it's, of course, you know, there's a lot on his shoulders in terms of Scottish boxing at the moment. If he was to win this, it would really do a lot for the country. I know he really wants to win this fight for for all those Scottish fans. Do you think he's got he's going to be able to do it, Ayers? What do you reckon?
1: I reckon he's going to do it because he's fighting in his hometown of Glasgow, isn't he? And obviously, he's in all the fans are going to be rooting there for him. And obviously, we see Ricky Burns fights so like the Crawford. Obviously, he got beat by Crawford, but. If he wins this title, he's going to make history within Scottish boxing. So I've got a feeling Ricky Burns is going to win this by points.
2: Yeah, I hope he does because um, I've seen him perform really badly and then I've seen him perform out of his skin. So it really depends what Ricky Burns turns up. I think there might be motivational issues or I know he had a lot going on outside of the ring. There was a lot of stuff going on legally. Um, and stuff like that that we're not really going to delve into too much, but Ricky Burns now hopefully, if if the, if he can't get up for this fight, then he can't get up for any fight also on that bill Tyrone Nurse, he's defending his British super lightweight title against Willie Lemon, this would be a good little fight Tyrone Nurse, 32-2 with the one draw. Willie Lemon, 39-4. Like I say, this will be a good fight. Tyrone Nurse, a good fighter. Also on that bill, John Lewis Dickinson. He's fighting Tommy McCarthy. John Lewis Dickinson, 17-4. Tommy McCarthy, 8-0. Also, on the bill, Joe Ham, he's out again. He looks to move to 8 0. He's in a six round clash at Super Bantamweight. Also, on that bill, Conor Ben, of course, the son of Nigel Ben. He looks to move to 2 0. It's only his second professional contest. He's fighting a guy called Luke Kaleha. Of course, this is only a four rounder, but Conor Ben showing that he wants to, you know, perhaps fight quite a bit this year. He fought on the AJ undercard on his debut, of course, and here he is literally a couple of months later out again over in Scotland so really showing us that he wants to fight quite a lot and keep pretty active this year also on the bill Scott Cardle he looks to pick up his 20th career win he's only in a six rounder at lightweight his opponent yet to be announced John Ryder gets out again his opponent yet to be announced it's only a six rounder John Ryder 22 and 2 and Anthony Ogogo he's been out for a long time with injury he's in his ninth professional contest it's a six rounder and his opponent yet to to be announced as well. Okay, that's it for the UK. We're now going to fly over to Arizona, USA. Top of the bill, David Avanesian, 21-1 with the one draw. He's defending his interim WBA world world welterweight title against Sugar Shane Mosley. Sugar Shane Mosley, 49 wins, 9 losses and one draw. This will be a good fight for David. We'll be speaking to him very, very shortly, but I know he's very confident going into this fight. So we wish him all the best. It's going to be a tough test, but the bookies have got... David and the favorite, and Sugar Shane Mosley is the underdog. That fight will be getting shown on Box Nation. I believe it starts at 3 a.m. Saturday night, Sunday morning. So that would be a good fight, and I will definitely, definitely be tuning in. And that's it for Saturday. So there's not a load of stuff going on on Saturday, but we're now going to go over to Sunday. This is taking place over at the Goodison Park Stadium, if you didn't already know, the home of Everton FC. Top of the bill. It's just like the dream. It's just like the film Creed, of course. Tony Bellew, top of the bill, fighting for the vacant WBC World Cruiserweight title. Tony Bellew, 26-2 with the one draw, facing Elungu Makabu, Nineteen and one. This is going to be a really good fight. So if Tony Bellew manages to beat Makubu or Makabu, I should say, he will become world champion, and it'll be it'll be a good win for for Bellew. Of course, I know he's been he's had the two shots at the title, and both times he's come up short. This really will be a dream come true, and I like Bellew a lot, to be honest, I really do, and I hope he does do it. But you know, he's he's a hard hitter, Bellew. Macaboo's actually a hard hitter as well. I think it's going to probably be a stoppage for Tony Bellew here. Ayaz, how do you see this fight going between Bellew and Macaboo?
1: Um, I personally reckon this is a tough fight for Bellew, right? Obviously, Macaboo's only got one loss here and he's got 19 wins by 18 knockouts, right? If I have to say, I'm going to go for a Bellew win because he's it's at his home, gra- it's at his hometown. And if I'm going to go, I'm going to go for a Bellew win on points.
2: You're going to go for points. I'm going to go for knockout. We'll see how we fare on that. But yeah, Macabu, good fighter. And this is a good test for him as well, because if he gets a good win over Bellu, which he's coming here to do so, um, he's definitely not coming here to lay down. So if he does get that win, that puts him on um, you know, a higher pedestal type of thing so to speak so he can really make a mark here and this is his chance as well as Bellew's but I really just can't see Bellew being denied in Everton like Everton's ground you know he supports Everton and you know (laughs) being being able to fight in the middle of that pitch is just could you imagine it's just an absolute dream come true so I'm happy for him the whole occasion is is fantastic I just hope he can do it under the lights on the night Now, moving down the undercard, Callum Smith, he looks to pick up his 20th career win. It's only an eight-rounder. He faces Caesar Hernan Reynoso. It's not a great opponent. This guy's got a record of 14 wins, seven losses, and three draws. Callum Smith will probably win this fight quite handily by knockout, in my opinion. So, uh, again, I don't know much about his opponent, but it's literally just... I don't think anyone's had loads and loads of notice for that fight so it's just one of those ones where he's he's jumped on the bill because it's happening in liverpool of course the fight so callum smith it's good to see him out again of course and it's a great it's a great weekend of boxing on sky sports saturday and sunday also on the bill, Sean Masher Dodd fighting for the vacant WBC International Lightweight title against Pasquale De Silvio. Now De Silvio boasts a record of twenty wins, seven losses, and one draw. Sean Masher Dodd ten wins, two losses, and one draw. Kofi Yates is also on the bill in his fifteenth professional contest. He faces Tom Farrell over ten rounds at super lightweight. Stephen Smith, he's back from his loss to Pedraza. He gets out again on this card with his brother Callum and Stephen Smith with a record of 23 wins 2 losses and he faces Daniel Eduardo Brizuela who has a record of 28 wins 5 losses and 2 draws it could actually be pretty interesting but I think Stephen Smith will be able to get a win here, this is for the vacant WBC Silver Super February title so I'm sure Stephen Smith will get another crack at the title probably within 12 months I'd say, uh, Paul Smith's also on the bill so 3 of the Smith brothers on this card three of the four so Paul Smith with a record of 36 wins and six losses it's only a six rounder as well it's in the super middleweight division Zasolt Dudas is his opponent with a record of 15 wins and 2 losses I'm going for 3 Smith Brothers to get 3 wins on this card also on the bill, David Price he looks to get his 20th career win he's got the 3 losses so 19 and 3 going into this fight he's fighting Jakov Gospik who has a record of 17 wins and 14 losses a few of those losses have come by knockout as well he got knocked out by Derek Chisora I believe he's been knocked out by a few other guys as well some of the names have slipped me but yeah this is an eight rounder I think David Price will win this fight by knockout for sure um so yeah it'd be nice to see him in his first fight working with Dave Caldwell though so I'm interested to see how that works out for David Price and that's really it for the previewing that's the Friday the Saturday and the Sunday, all done for the preview, and we're now gonna welcome our third guest. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome our next guest on this week's show. It's the former WBO middleweight champion of the world, Hassan and Dam. Hassan, welcome to the show. Yeah, how are you doing? Very good. How are you doing?
5: I'm good. I'm good. You know, boxing. <laughs> I'm I'm busy in training right now for my next fight say, Friday. Yeah. So, yeah.
2: Okay, excellent stuff. Now, you're you're fighting on Friday, like you just said, in Paris. Uh, This guy, the guy that you're fighting, like yourself, he's fought David Lemieux. He's also fought Chris Eubank Jr. I believe you're a level above this opponent, to be honest. Is this just a stepping stone to another shot at a major title?
5: Yeah, so he's just an opponent to to keep in shape and uh, go up in in the classification because my goal, I want to... Become a world champion again, so that's that's only the 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 step to 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 be what I
2: want to be Do you know much about your opponent how much when you fight a guy? When you fight a guy who is like a like a level down from what you are, what you operate at and the, the, some of the other opponents that you fought, how how different is it? Like in the build up to the fight, how like training as well, how different is it? How do you prepare for a big fight compared to preparing for someone who's like this level kind of thing?
5: You know, uh I can I don't prepare uh, this guy. Uh I prepare about uh the the top guy, the top the top fighters. So this guy is only the, the step, you know. Uh, he he make me be keep in shape, and uh, it's my second time I fight in Paris. Though, so uh, since four years I didn't fight in Paris, so I want to keep the contact with my uh, with my fans in France. So I know that now, the, right now the middleweight division is uh, is busy. So I want to keep in shape for that. For that, because uh, you, we don't know. Maybe tomorrow they can call me to fight some tough guy. so I need to be ready for that.
2: Without looking past this opponent, when are you likely to get back in like the world title picture? So are you, I think the answer to that question probably is as soon as they ring your phone. No.
5: Yeah, I think soon as soon as as possible, because. Right now uh, I don't have an opportunity to fight the tough guys to be to be a world champion again but I know that right now the middleweight division needs somebody who can put a show who can we can keep uh, we, who can pe- keep that division in shape so I I will be ready for that if they call me I will be ready
2: now, is there anyone in particular that you've got your eye on? Is there anyone in particular that you want to fight in your division at the moment?
5: You know, uh, right now, uh, they talk about Curry Stevens against David Lemieux. Uh, why the winner can take... I can take the, the winner for that, you know? For David Lemieux, for, the, for some difficulty uh, that sh- everybody knows, you know? They the, the ring the the situation for the Purse Beat, for the promoter, you know, I have too many, too many things that happen for that fight. That's why I I can't I don't fight very well, very good, like I, I want. But you know, the next time will be different for that. So uh, right now I want I have somebody in my in my head for my goal is triple J. Triple J is the, the best for me is the best. For that division, and I want to fight the best right now, and I think uh, I can do it. I have a I have a boxing to fight him, and I'm the smart boxer. I'm smart guys, and he don't fight the guys like me. You know, I know that is very tough boxer, but I want to fight him. That's my 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 high goal. But right now for the for. For to have some fight right now, I can't. I say I I want to fight against Curtis Stevens or David Lemieux. To make that fight happen.
2: You fought both of them. You 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 didn't come off the better man on the night against Lemieux. You beat Curtis Stevens pretty well. You knocked him down as well, of course. Yeah. Um, who do you think would win that fight if that fight does happen between Lemieux and Curtis Stevens?
5: Oh, it will it will be a, a tough fight. I want to see that fight. I know that Lomio is a strong fighter. He, he he have a good punch, but Curry Stevens too have a good punch. Curry Stevens has a smart is a smart guy, so uh, it will be. I think it will be a, a good fight, and I want to see that fight. I want to see who will win that fight, because I can't. I can. I can. I fight this the the, the the buffer that of that, but I don't know who can. We can. Who can win that fight? I don't know, so I want to see that.
2: I wanted to get your opinion on a fighter from Great Britain at the moment. Maybe I'm not sure if you've seen much of him. You probably have, actually. Um, Chris Eubank Jr. Do you know much about him? If so, what's your opinion on him, Hassan?
5: Uh, Chris Eubank Jr. is a, a good boxer, technical boxer for that uh, middleweight division. Uh, he have he a uh, not strong, strong boxer. Like uh, like David Lemieux or, or Triple J, but he have a style. He have a style. He have a level. He have a he on he on step. So I think is is a good good boxer, good guys. So I, why why I can't fight him? He's a, he's a middleweight division. To he's a great boxer right now. So. Why I can't fight him?
2: The big piece of news in the middleweight division at the moment is the fact that Canelo vacated his title and Golovkin has now been promoted to the full uh, WBC champion. So what's your opinion on that? Do you, do you think, I mean, obviously it's not it's not good for boxing that champions are vacating their titles, but do you think he wants that fight, Canelo? Or do you think it's it's, it's quite clear that he's running from Golovkin?
5: I think I he know very well Golovkin because Golovkin working with him before sparring, spar with him, and he talked about that sparring. He said Golovkin is strong and he punched for the two hands, and I think for that he don't want, he want, he don't want to take, uh, he don't want to take advantage for that. Uh, I think he know that it will be a strong fight for him. If I a, a tough boxer, that has uh, Mayweather, but it's not the same uh, like Golovkin. So I think he is scary for that. It's only we, we let let's say things like he won he, he gonna be. I think he is scary for that fight because if you want to be a top fighter, you need to fight the, the good fighter, uh, the the top fighter. You know. If you want to be the best, you need to fight the best. So I think it's it's not a good fighter.
2: Or... Yeah, yeah, that's that's a lot of people are saying that this week. It's not very good for boxing. But um, no. of course, you're saying that you would love to get that Golovkin fight. If you don't get that fight, because obviously that's 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 your main dream at the moment. If you was to not get that fight, who would you like to see Golovkin fight next? If it's not going to be Hassan and Dam
5: uh you know today uh, you don't have a good fighter who can do a big fight with Golovkin today is very very difficult to put Golovkin in the strong difficulty. So I don't know I think Canelo can, can do, will be always be the, uh, the the best the best opponent to Golovkin to show, to show him a uh, power to, you know, but right now pff, he will be Golovkin is the super super boxer, is the super champion for that that division. I don't know if um, Jacobs can can be a good fighter for for that for that um, world title unification or Chris Eubank. Pff, I don't know. I don't know. So, it will be difficult to make uh, the rematch for Lemieux or for Curry-Stevens. It will be difficult to have an opening today for, for Golovkin.
2: Now, I wanted to ask you about, obviously, you've been in a lot of big fights. Um, what would you say was the hardest fight of your career?
5: The hardest fight for my career? Uh, I think it was B, it was after uh, courtesy, because it was my first world championship, and for that uh, I have uh, I have cuts for the first and second round. So I didn't I, I don't see nothing, and I fight with uh, with my shadow, you know. I fight with the shadow, so. I move a lot for twelve rounds. I keep busy for twelve rounds. that was be my 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 top fight in my career so i I remember for that every time every day
2: <laughs> so it's a lesson that you uh you learned something good out of yeah 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 now uh, Hassan how about I mean, what do you think about? Of course, you're saying you'd like the winner of of uh, of Lemieux and Stevens. If that fight happens, you'd like to fight Golovkin. Do you ever think about perhaps coming over to the UK and fighting Billy Joe Saunders? Of course, he's got the WBO title at the moment. Would you like that fight at all?
5: Yeah, I talk. Uh, I have opportunity to fight Billy Joe Saunders uh, before, and um, the fight don't not happen because I want to have to fight. First, uh, to have a the entry fight. So uh, after that, uh, I I like to to have a world championship. But he was not he he, can, he can't he can wait for that because I have a, the, my entry fight in March, March 12. So he wants me to fight him in March 30. So April 30. So it, it cannot be happen. So I think uh, it will be, be a good opportunity for me, but for the future. Why not in the end of this year, of the debut of the next year, it's a good opportunity to go to UK to fight him.
2: And what is your opinion on Billy Joe? Do you think he's a good fighter?
5: Uh, Billy Joe is a good fighter. He has a own style. He's a South Pole boxer, so he has a he, he own difficulty. He has a different style for boxing. And uh, <laughs> I think he's waiting too much to walk, so if you put him some some pressure he can he can lose he have like six or seven rounds. he cannot move for twelve round uh pressure so I think a fight that fight can be happen and he can he can he can stop i can, I can stop him, I can stop him too.
2: There's a lot of exciting boxers at the moment in boxing. What boxer do you enjoy watching most at the moment?
5: This moment, uh, I, I love to watch Lomachenko because Lomachenko is a boxer. He play with boxing. You know, I begin boxing since I was six years old and my father learned boxing like a, like a play. And when I see Lomachenko fight, I... I is play with boxers, so that is a real, a real boxing. Real boxing is touch and not be touch, and uh, Lomachenko will do it very well. So for me, today after after Mayweather, I think Lomachenko is a super, is super boxer, you know.
2: Excellent stuff. Now I just wanted to give you an opportunity to. To like any any kind of message you've got for any of the UK fans, any of the UK fans that that are fans of yourself that may be listening,
5: I like uh, to to tell them that to follow follow me every time, everywhere. I I walk in with uh, Liam Smith every time, so I'm in the UK every time to walk in there with uh, with uh, Gallagher and all this stuff. So, I think, uh, I hope that someday I can do something there in the UK. So, let's follow me and uh, we can do something happen.
2: Absolutely. I hope it happens too. Okay, listen, Hassan, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the show. I wish you the best of luck for Friday night and hopefully we'll speak again soon. Thank you. It was a pleasure. Okay, so far on this show, we've already spoke to Joe Fournier and Nick Webb. We've just finished speaking to Hassan and Dan. We like to keep it international here, if you didn't already know. We're now going to welcome our fourth guest. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome, defending his interim WBA welterweight world title against Shane Mosley on the weekend. It's David Avanessian. David, welcome to the show. Hello. Hello, how How are are you? you? Very good. Good, thank you. (laughs) Thanks and uh, listen for me. No problem, no problem. The first question I've got for you, David. How did you get into boxing in the beginning?
0: Me for children, for maybe 11, 12 and starting for boxing. For my city, for Ruchi and Pettigrew. Many long time for amateur boxing. And uh, 21 years, me finished for professional boxing.
2: Okay, now of course you're fighting on the twenty eighth of May against Shane Mosley. How has your training been?
0: Me very good training and good time uh, for my coach, for my every team our team me good work, good training me and uh, very more sparring and Amir Patterson, Gary Gordon, yeah. Gary Gordon, sorry, and many people. Sparring, good sparring, good fitness, good conditioning, and uh, my coach, base coach, and Carl Graves, my manager, Neil Marsh, uh, very good. My team, me now ready. Tomorrow, me fly for America, USA, and training good and fly. Me, where, me ready, me fly. Finish, me ready, me fly and for fight for Mosley.
2: What are your thoughts on Shane Mosley, David?
0: And Mosley, very big name and a strong man good boxer and for me me very happy and for me i want long time for good fight a big fight and thank you my uh, manager and new and made decision good for fight me very happy me me very uh, me very very for fight for and my
2: belt check my belt okay um now not including yourself who is your favorite boxer to watch right now in boxing, David? Oh, and now for me very difficult as this
0: missing now many and good boxer and a young boxer starting and missing my weather finish, Pacquiao finish, missing now maybe Triple G. Very good boxer. Very strong, very very me C Triple G for Panama. Very good uh, guy. Me nice guy. Very no no think me big boxer. Very good and speak good. Every people for like big punching. Good people. Good boxer.
2: Sergey Kovalev, another good boxer.
0: Sergey Kovalev, very good boxer.
2: Yeah. Okay. Um big punch, you know? Yeah, big puncher, very many,
0: big puncher. Many many and uh, Russia, English, for America, very small big boxer, power and strong. Now now for me difficult. Before me, children, before me, Roy Jones, for me one, Roy Jones, good Mike Tyson, Roy Jones. Now very more
2: <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Okay, um, of course, you're the interim WBA welterweight champion. The super champion is Keith Thurman. He's got a tough fight coming up against Sean Porter. How do you see that fight going? Who do you see winning that fight, David?
4: Oh,
0: good fight, good fight, and me think, oh, me think 65 uh, and 45, me think and uh, Thurman win. And okay. Porter power very very walk walk and turman distance left good and good boxing made and difficult uh and boxing one power finish understand boxing very difficult and me think and turman little good little maybe turman win.
2: Okay, firm and win. Okay. And um it- if Muhammad Ali fought Mike Tyson both both guys in their prime. So the best Muhammad Ali against the best Mike Tyson. Who do you think would win, David?
0: Oh, very, very big name for, very respect for Mike Tyson, for Muhammad Ali. Very big name, very big uh, boxer, good boxer. Me think, uh, me, me more fight see Tyson, no more fight see and Muhammad Ali. But maybe me, children, maybe a little. Me think Tyson very power, very fast. Very strong,
2: needing Tyson win. <laughs> okay, okay. That's, I love that question. That's the best question. And the last question I've got for you now, David. What can we expect from yourself on fight night, the 28th of May against Sugar Shane Mosley? Uh,
0: me, I won't speak. And uh, very good fight, strong fight, and me 100% we're well ready. And uh, me. I do my best. Me, Mosley, and Ring. No people. No me, two two people. Me, Mosley.
2: Okay. May the best man win. Listen, David. I want to thank you for giving us a bit of your time before this huge fight. I hope you can go and get the win and keep moving to the top. No doubt we'll speak again soon. Until then, thank you very much, David.
0: Thank you. Thank you, everybody. Thank you, and. Uh, I promise next time it's good good English Sorry.
2: No problem, no problem. Your English is good. <laughs> thank you, thank you. Thank, thank you, you, everybody. Thank you. Okay, now it's time to conclude episode 34 of the Box Hard Podcast. I've been your host, Joey Coastman. as Sumra has been as Sumra. A massive thank you to our two guests that took part in part one, Joe Fournier and Nick Webb. A very, very relaxed Nick Webb, by the way. <laughs> also, in part two, we spoke to David Avanessian, who takes on Shane Mosley on Saturday. A massive thank you to David Avanessian for coming on the show. and We wish you the best of luck. Also, a special thank you to Neil Marsh, who helped David Avenessian with his English. He done really well, in my opinion. And also, we spoke to Fighting on Friday. This Friday, I'm sure he's going to come through his fight with flying colors as well. Hassan and Dam. So a massive thank you to Hassan and Dam and a massive good luck here from the Box Hard Podcast. And of course, a massive, massive thank you, the biggest thank you of all to the listeners that make this show what it is. We brought you four guests on this week's show. Usually we bring you two per show. We brought you four. The only time we've ever done that before was on the Christmas special, the 2015 Christmas special, where we brought you... Lee Selby, Andrew Selby, Prince Charles Martin, and Eric Molina, if I remember correctly. This has been a little treat for all those recent views and listens. Thank you very much for tuning in once again, and we'll be back next week with another big show. Until then, my friends, take care.